It's Celtics coverage on CLNSRadio.com. Tatum takes it. Makes it. Oh, oh Hayward. Flex on him, Jalen Brown. Dial in right now and share your thoughts toll free. 347-215-7771. All right. Here we are. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Celtics postgame show on CLNS Media. My name is Matt Rurry, and I am here with Taylor McLeod, and we are going to be telling you for the next hour all about this Celtics game tonight as the Celtics bounce back from an ugly third quarter and or fourth quarter, I should say, in overtime last night at home against Brooklyn. Uh, they bounce back on the second night of a back-to-back with a nice little 112-106 victory against the Cleveland Cavaliers out in Cleveland. So, um Normally, you would look at this game and sort of say that uh, this is not the way the Celtics should have come away with a win, Um, but let's put it all out there, obviously. For anyone that watched this game, you you saw that Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker all missed tonight. Uh, I don't even think any of them were in Cleveland, for that matter, Uh, so they didn't play. Essentially, the Celtics put a G League roster out there, uh, had a, a bunch of 7-0 runs for themselves and against themselves uh, and ended up taking this game, like I said, 112 to 106. So I don't know how much we're going to focus on this actual game. We definitely will for the next, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour. But I'm sure towards the end of the show, we're going to start looking at the bigger picture. Uh, But either way, Taylor McLeod is my co-host. As I said, welcome on in, Taylor. And uh, this game, I'm glad they won. It, it, It was shaky but uh, they definitely figured out a way to, to close it out. Yeah, I think I think you said it well when you say glad they won. And that that's pretty much where I am too. I try not to I try not to put a ton into games like this, especially with so many so many on both sides. And then you're looking at, you know, the Celtics who are playing for something and the Cavs, they're one of the worst teams in the league. So it was a pretty pretty messy game, I would say. But if you look at what the Celtics did, obviously the win's the most important thing, but Jason Tatum goes and scores 32 points, shoots 50% from three, 45.8% from the field, you know, chips in nine rebounds, six assists, two steals and a block. So stuff like that is our, our real positives, legitimate positives I can take from a game like tonight. But the most important thing is that the Celtics won because after a game like last night where, you know, you have such a, such a collapse, just getting a, a win in any capacity is good to put that in the rear view. Yeah, and I mean, really, when you look at the, the box score and you watch the game, you saw the, the minutes and the rotations uh, that went on tonight. Two, I would, call, I would say that two rotational players, when the Celtics are fully healthy, played significant minutes tonight. That's Jason Tatum and that's Marcus Smart. Even Daniel Tice basically split time with Cantor and and Robert Williams. They had that sort of uh, three-headed monster at center as Brad Williams or Brad Stevens gets Robert Williams back into the lineup uh, as he didn't play last night. But I I don't know if he's tinkering with things or he's really just trying to – it was just a one-game thing because he had three starters out. But Stevens was uh, throwing his big men uh, around quite a bit, um, and he used – uh, Semi Ojale off the bench for 30 minutes tonight. He scored 22 points, had a great game for himself. Could have had more if he didn't get take that uh, that nut shot there uh, early early in the game. 
Um, but it, really, when you're looking at the starters, you're talking about or the, the rotational players, I should, I should say, you're talking about Marcus Smart, you're talking about Jason Tatum, and you said it. Jason Tatum was awesome tonight. He had an, a really hot start, kind of sort of uh, fell backwards and uh, a little bit uh, fell back, I should say, a little bit uh, in the middle of the game, but uh, kind of finished things strong, uh, ended with 34 points. One thing I will say about Tatum that I think he needs to work on or the team needs to work on is when – He's going off, and we've seen this a couple times in the past couple weeks in these games where he's scoring 30-plus points. If he's going off and another team changes their game plan and starts to double-team him or uh, just starts to throw different guys at him, sometimes the adjustment on the Celtics side of things is not as quick as it needs to be if they're going to have success in the playoffs. So I would like to see them sort of – be able to make changes on the fly w- with uh, his game. And it's not something you, you really see right now. So that's one thing that, that they definitely need to improve on uh, if they're going to use have Jason Tatum be their best player because teams are obviously not going to throw the same exact look at him every single time. No, for sure not. And I think after a month like February and especially the stretch that, that he's been on, since being named an all-star pretty much where he's, you know, scoring out of his mind, playing extremely well, cementing himself as the Celtics best player and as a, as a legitimate player in the league. I think there was a little grace period where he's going to get the same defense, going to get the same defense. But right now, and you saw it tonight, you saw it a lot tonight, actually, where the Cavs just throw a, a straight double team at him and, and make him deal with it. And I thought to his credit, he's getting, he's getting better. I mean, it's going to have to be an adjustment on the fly because most guys make these leaps that Tatum's making in the middle of a season. Most guys make those leaps, you know, with a lot of summer work, they come back in the fall and they kind of have an idea of what to expect. Tatum is making the leap from, you know, really good, really solid player to, to star player in, in pretty much what feels like a month and a half, two months. So he's going to have to adjust on the fly, but I do like that teams are going to start guarding him like that, throwing that double team at him even in like a, a relatively meaningless game like tonight, a team like Cleveland, because they're young, because they have guys who are still wanting to play hard, you're still going to get good defense. So like, as I said, the six and, and Tatum don't do everything perfectly when that double comes, when the defense does change toward Tatum. But I think it's a good sign that we're seeing the defense changing towards him because it's a sign of respect. And also I'd rather have, I'd rather have Tatum practice against it even in games like tonight against the Cavs than, than not see it all the way until the playoffs. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's going to help him for sure that this is happening now uh, and that he'll get a month or two of teams really keying in on him. I'm really interested to see what the Celtics do when they're fully healthy because, they, yet again, they're they're at a, a point where uh, they have a lot of different guys, and I think this year is, is – definitely better than last year as far as uh, everybody seems to be pretty much content with the way that things are going. They're happy at the way that they're playing team basketball and they're not saying they're not, it's not a me first mentality this year. So I think that they will be able to figure it out, but when they're completely healthy and this is something I want to touch on a little bit later as well, there's still going to be an odd man out. And right now there's, one guy that seems to be flying under the radar and not really living up to the potential that he has. Uh, and, and we can get into it later. Cause I want to s- sort of focus on 
the the game for another few more minutes, but that guy's Gordon Hayward to spoil the the surprise. So we'll we'll talk about that. But I uh, I just I feel like at some point something's got to give, and if you really are going to key in on Jason Tatum being the guy that's going to lead you going forward, then uh, maybe someone. Gordon Hayward is going to have to take a little bit of a backseat, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, as far as tonight is concerned, uh, I, I just, it, it was a, it was a weird game to watch because you saw a, a lot of runs, six all runs, seven all run back and forth, back and forth. And then all of a sudden the fourth quarter comes around and those runs stop. It's like a, a the, it's, it's like the defense kind of stops as well. And the teams were just going back and forth. And there was a, a point where I was a little nervous. They were actually going to blow this game as well, but uh, they, they figured it out. Uh, and I, I think that we should credit Marcus smart with, with uh, sort of keeping things together tonight after his little blow up after the game last night against at the refs. I think that he sort of kept his composure and, and kept them in the game and made a couple of key plays down the stretch as he normally does. Yeah, 100%. I thought Smart was a little bit sloppy with the ball tonight. You look at you look at the numbers. He had four turnovers. So I thought I thought he made a couple passes tonight that weren't necessarily lazy, but they weren't weren't as crisp as we're used to seeing from Smart and a couple of them got picked off because of it. But I think you're right and I think I think that's a big deal. I think that's a big deal for the Celtics knowing that when when you have their starting lineup out there moving forward, that you have a guy, you have a guy on the bench who is pretty is obviously an, an NBA starter. Everyone knows Marcus Smart is an NBA starter, but he has a real willingness to come off the bench and, and play like team basketball. And I feel like there's a really not necessarily a calming presence, but having that steady hand on the second unit who can also mesh perfectly with the first unit. It works in the big games, and in it shows tonight where. There was a couple possessions down the stretch where, like you said, I, I wasn't necessarily concerned they were going to blow it, but there was probably a second or two where I thought to myself, you know, I, I've seen this story where, uh, you, you know, the, the bad team has a great night from a guy like Colin Sexton who goes out there and gives 40-plus points, and it just, it just, you know, isn't the Celtics' night. But there was one possession where, you know, Smart brought the ball out and then just ran a pick and roll with Daniel Tyson, got a little runner in the paint, you know, to put him up, you know, a couple yep. of points. And it's little stuff like that, that it's just, it's a reminder from Smart that even though, you know, this game's messy, I've made a couple turnovers. I'm still Marcus Smart. I still know exactly what I'm doing. And, and that's so important for the Celtics. Right. And I, I think that overall uh, this year, his composure has been something that not a lot of people talk about. It's funny that Marcus Smart's the type of guy that, you criticize when things go poorly, but when he has a stretch of good games or a, a bunch of good plays, you don't really tend to hear people praising him for that. It's it's almost as if, as if it's expected from him. Uh, so I, I wanted to give him a little credit on the show tonight just because that play that you just mentioned is one that I was exact, definitely thinking of because he had a, he had the opportunity and he had a decision to make whether he was going to give Tice a little bounce pass and try and get him the layup or take the floater himself. And, in the moment, as I was watching, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, he's going to pass this ball. I don't know if I'd do that. It's kind of a tough pass with the big man running down the lane like that and defense is there, and all of a sudden he shoots the ball, and it was the right decision. So I, I want to heap a little praise on the guy because I know that he gets criticized, and I criticize him when he's taking crazy threes or he seems to be out of control uh, with the basketball. Uh, but I think 
that really when it comes down to the end of games and being having composure and uh, being kind of a clutch performer, he, he's one of the few guys on this team that actually has that night in, night out. So shout out to Marcus Smart. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to me, to me, the fact that he gets, he gets a lot of criticism and, and maybe not a ton of praise his status as like a hero, as a folk hero, almost, you know, among Celtics Twitter, I think that's more what it is. He's the longest tenured player. He's effectively the captain of the team. Everyone acknowledges that he's the heart and soul. It's kind of like the older brother situation. He's not the oldest player on the team, but he's been there the longest. And it's, you know, it's expected that he has, he has his you know, finger on the pulse of what's going on. He knows the right decision to make. So I think a lot of it is because of how he, how he's played and how, you know, he's demanded the fans trust him because he comes through in a lot of big moments. So I, I, I you know, we said enough about Marcus Smart over the years. I've been, you know, staunch in my defense of him. He's awesome. And, and games like tonight are fun. The big games are fun. Pretty much at this point, I'm taking what, what we get from Marcus Smart because I know that when, when you know, when the chips are down, when it's money time, I, I want him on the floor as much as anybody else. Yeah, and I'm going to kind of play off of that a little bit and sort of project a little bit ahead and tie it into something that I saw tonight that I'm a little bit concerned about uh, with Brad Wanamaker. So the more Marcus Smart is on the floor, the healthier the Celtics are, and I think the better team they are, obviously. If they're healthy, they're a better team. That goes without saying. They do need a backup point guard. And, I mean, Marcus Smart plays so many positions, especially on defense, that – I don't necessarily look at him as the backup point guard, but I think in the playoffs, he's going to fill those minutes. And the point of him being composed is good. It's, but I think Brad Wanamaker is pretty composed as well. The problem with Brad Wanamaker is that I just, I love the, the how solid he is. He knows the game of basketball. He seems to be a, a, a very good, solid player but he's just not hes not good enough, I don't think, to be on a successful team in the NBA. And I hate to say it. I know there's a lot of love for Brad Wanamaker out there. He deserves a lot of credit for breaking into the NBA after a, a relatively long career in Europe. So I'm not trying to take anything away from Brad Wanamaker because I'm glad that he's on this team, and I think that he has provided the Celtics with a lot of good things over the course of the season. But going forward... I'd much rather see Marcus Smart out there for most of the game. And I, I'm a little concerned, to be honest, Taylor, that Wanamaker is going to get playoff minutes and maybe uh, hurt the Celtics rather than help them. Am I? Do you think I'm, I'm a little off base here, or am I hitting on something? Because I just – the inconsistency with the just uh, the way that Wanamaker shoots, et cetera, that's my biggest concern. I think that he's a good ball handler and that he's composed and he, he knows how to play the game, but just the talent level is just not there. And I'm worried that Brad Stevens is going to go to him in a playoff situation. Yeah, I could see that. I think that in terms of Wanamaker, um, there's an interesting dynamic because while Wanamaker is the backup point guard, we know that, Kemba Walker is the the point guard. 
But we also know that the offense lately has been running through Jason Tatum, so the ball's in his hands. We saw it last year a lot and some this year where Gordon Hayward is, is you know, a, a great facilitator for this team. And then Marcus Smart is, you know, capable of playing that backup point guard role. So I think going into the playoffs, there's an understanding that the point guard doesn't always have the ball in their hands, especially when it's Tatum or Hayward. And even, even Jalen, to an extent, obviously it's a little bit less. It's a little bit different role. But I think the thing about Brad Wanamaker is the first half of the season, the first two-thirds of the season when Kemba Walker was healthy – we were seeing Wanamaker really get to, you know, feast on second units and deal with deal with players and deal with systems where he can really use his intelligence. And, you know, he's a he's an older guy. He's only a second year player, but I think he's 27, 28 years old. So he, he's actually he's 30. He's, he's actually the oldest player on the Celtics. He's 30 years old. old. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, I think I think when he has more of a opportunity to play against second units more often when Kemba Walker is in his hurt. We'll see him go back to a position where you feel more comfortable. But I definitely do agree. I think going back to one of the Lakers games a couple weeks ago that he played really poorly in, you start to see that even though he played very well back up one of the three thirsters in the league or whatever, he's not meant to be a consistent minute kind of guy. So I think once he gets back to the workload he had earlier in the season, things will start to calm down. But moving forward into the playoffs, we all know that it's going to be Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, and Marcus Smart with the ball in their hands. All right, that's. I hope you're right, and I hope that we don't get to, we don't have to see a situation where Brad Wanamaker is playing uh, real minutes in the playoffs. But I just I, I understand his role as a backup point guard now. I just hope that the, the trend is what we believe it to be, and that he will uh, sort of see the bench uh, in the playoffs when that when it comes to yeah. that. Because I do feel like the Celtics have a pretty high ceiling, and I want them to make to really maximize it. Uh, even though I am on record many, many times as saying, as long as they don't get blown up in the first round, I will be happy with uh, the, the results because I think they're fun to watch, and I expect them to put on a show in the playoffs at least. Anyway, um, I've got one more point I want to make about uh, the game tonight, but I'm actually going to hold off on it for a second because I need to open up the call lines at 347-215-7771. And of course, those call lines, as always, are brought to you by betonline.ag. And uh, betonline.ag is our exclusive sportsbook partner. And of course, the big betting season is when the NFL is here, right? But now that basketball and hockey are are in full swing, uh, golf is coming around the corner. You can bet on some NASCAR stuff. Uh, whatever you want, uh, they head on over to betonline.ag, and uh, if you use our promo code, you will get 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, and uh, that promo code is CLNS50. That's CLNS50. So head on over to betonline.ag. They've been in the history, in the industry, excuse me, for over 20 years, providing customers with the first-to-market odds and giving you the ability to bet anytime, anywhere. Uh, don't forget that promo code CLNS50 and have a little fun with some betting action today over at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And the call lines, again, the phone number 347 215 7771. And I'm going to go right to it, Taylor, because it's a number that I actually recognize. And usually that means that I said something to get, set this guy off, or perhaps he just. Just tuning in. 
at this moment, but we'll see. Sam in San Diego, what's going on, Sam? Welcome to the show. Yeah. Um, can talk to you. Um, yeah, you did say something I thought about. I actually didn't get to watch the game today, but um, you talked about Smart and Wanamaker. You know, the thing about Smart is, he, I mean, he's my favorite player on the team, but um, I, I feel like he's taking too many shots this year. Um, he's definitely more aggressive, um, and specifically, he, be, he seems to be taking a lot of shots towards the end of the game, towards the, towards the closing minutes, when I'd really like to see someone like Tatum or Kemba taking those shots. Because um, if he misses, it feels really badly. The first thing you think is that you would rather have someone else shooting at. And, um, yeah, I think he's still shooting under 40% from the field. And, uh, you know, he kind of – it seemed like he took better shots last year, but this year he's just so aggressive out there that he, I think he shoots just about as much as anyone else. And, you know, I'd like to see some of those shots going towards uh, for Hayward really. Um, Cause I think, I think that's where some of those shots are coming from. Um, and on the other person, Wanamaker, um, his problem is that he's just, uh, this is not dynamic enough. You know, he, he, I think he's great. I love him like in a corner, or um, just shooting like an open three off of off of penetration, but I don't like him handling the ball, especially at the expense of of, um, of Hayward, because I think Hayward is that second ball handler in the playoffs when when Kemba and Tatum don't have it, and I just think that when you have it the opposite way, where you have him handling the ball, and you've got Hayward on the corner where he doesn't seem to play as well off ball, I just think that you're not utilizing your players as well. Yeah, and I mean I. I think that Wanamaker has a specific role that can help throughout the regular season. Like I said, though, I, I just I don't think that in the playoffs that he's going to be someone that you need to, you should be leaning on whatsoever. So I want their point guards to be healthy is my overall point there. Um, but Sam, as far as Marcus Smart's shooting is concerned, I don't know if he's actually taking more shots in general than he took last year, but I think he's definitely taking more threes. And if you look at his percentages, he's actually shooting 35% from three this year, which is well over his career average of 31, uh, almost 32. But his, like you said, his regular field goal, his overall field goal percentage is just 38%. So I think that he's a little more three happy this year, which is strange because in the past, that's the major criticism of him, right? That he takes too many threes. But I think in the past, when he takes those threes, he does also offset them with layups, uh, floaters like we saw tonight, mid-range jumpers. But I don't know if we're really seeing that that stuff this year. We saw it tonight, like Taylor and I discussed earlier. But overall, I think you're right. I think he's taking more threes. And I don't have the actual numbers in front of me. I'm just going by what I've been watching and what's in my head. Yeah, man, so we could be wrong, I'm but I, th- I think you're on to something. I, I see it here. I'm just looking at his stats now. He's taking 11 and a half shots a game, which is two more than his career high and uh, four and a half more than last year. And he's taking 6.83s, which is, um, which is, I think a couple more as well. Um, yeah, it's a couple, about two more than his Seven career high. Seven career for Marcus Smart sounds like a lot. That's, that yeah. sounds like a, a large, a, lo- a big average. I don't even know if, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, 30, I don't even think I'd, I'd want, like, I'm trying to think of a decent three point shooter. I don't, I don't think I'd want JJ Redick taking seven threes a game if, if he was on this team, you know, like that's, it's, that's aggressive. That seems aggressive. There's more shots to go around. And I think you, 
you pointed something out with, with Hayward that I want, before we let you go, I want to get your opinion on it because I mentioned it quickly earlier, but I feel like Hayward is again, looking kind of like the odd man out partly because of his injuries this year, but also because he just, he doesn't seem to be the focal point anymore. And I think that he has thrived when he's been the point guard and when he's been able to play that position with Kemba out, but when they're fully healthy, I worry that he's going to get lost in the shuffle and I hope that he can contribute because obviously he's a big piece of this team. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm worried about him because I don't think he gets the ball enough. Um, he's taken, I think under 14 shots a game. So, or right around 14. So he's only taking a couple more shots than Marcus per game. And, um, but yeah, I don't I don't understand why why it's happening either because Brad knows him as well as anyone. I don't understand why he's not putting him in pick and roll, why he's not having him lead the team when basically whenever Tatum's not out there because he I mean he's a better he's a better um, initiator of the offense than Kemba is um, in my opinion. So it's really just Tatum that I'd like to see the ball more with. But yeah, I, I don't understand. I, I I watch Hayward more than any other player, and I just feel like I see him in that corner constantly. Um, and the ball is usually on the opposite side of the court. Um, and so occasionally you'll see him come up afterwards and he'll, he'll get really aggressive where if he gets the rebound, he'll go into his shot, right? He'll, he'll try to make something happen on his own. But I, I don't think that he's comfortable because I don't think he's getting the ball enough. I think the injury at the beginning of the year definitely obviously hurt him because he was playing so well. But after that, you know, he seems to be a player that really plays well off of confidence and you know his confidence has really gone up and down throughout his career here with the Celtics and I'm concerned because I think that number one we need him and number two we just cannot lose him in free agency because we're not going to be able to replace him and um, so yeah concerning all right Sam well we appreciate the call as always good to hear from you and um I mean, hopefully the Celtics keep things going here and get another couple wins over the next week or so. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see that. And, you know, I want a deep playoff run because I'd like to get out there. So, All right. Anyways, Sounds guys. good. Go Celtics. All right, there he goes, Sam in San Diego. All right, Taylor, what do you think about the Gordon Hayward situation here? You heard th- Sam's thoughts. He's a little concerned. He doesn't want to lose him in free agency. Because Hayward obviously has that option to resign or, or walk away. Um but what what is the issue here? Why is he why does he keep getting lost in the shuffle? I think it's because there's even though the Celtics have played really well and Jason Tatum has been a great constant, I think there's there haven't been in you know I don't like like I like you said earlier I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it doesn't feel like there's been a ton of games where you know your top four guys have been healthy. And even in throwing smart into that, there haven't been a ton of games where all five of them. So you're, you're, you're looking at your best players, right? So it's Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, not in any particular order, but those are your five that you probably want on the floor, unless you have a big like Tice on the floor and then you've got to shuffle some things up. But those are your five. There haven't been a ton of games where those five have been completely, completely healthy and ready to play their exact roles. And also, I mean, the biggest beneficiary of that has been Jason Tatum because he he has been allowed to take so many steps and cement himself, you know, in his role on the team. So what I think is an issue is that the dynamics of this team, and this, to me, in my opinion, is for the better. The dynamics of this team are changing, you know, so much week to week that 
there's there's not a ton of continuity for a guy like Gordon Hayward who's really built on finding his space within the offense in in, in carving out his spot in a highly intelligent basketball player that whenever he takes the shots it normally looks like it's you know that's that's meant that's what he's meant to be taking so I think there's some of that um, but honestly like I think I don't I don't know if there is an issue. I don't I don't see any of this as an issue and a lot of it's because it seems like these guys have a genuine interest in in it's it's cliche to say they want to win. But it really seems like they they want to win and that is most important and they're willing to, you know, put some stuff on the side or let someone like Tatum really flourish because they understand that's how that's how you're going to win basketball games. That's how you're going to make that deep playoff run that Sam wants. You look towards free agency, obviously that's that's a different story, and I haven't even begun to think about, you know, Gordon Hayward's free agency. The Celtics are going to have to throw a lot of money at Jason Tatum this offseason. I, I think Gordon Hayward, he moved his entire family to Boston. He knows Brad very well. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he just, you know, signs his deal, stays. But I don't even know if I look at any of his his stuff as an issue. If we're getting, you know, right up to the playoffs and it seems like there's there's a real disconnect between players and there's a real break in the offense, then I'll start to worry. But they're playing well enough and they're winning games and it seems like all of them are willing to do whatever it takes to win those games that I'm not terribly concerned about uh, about Gordon Hayward at this point. All right. Um, that's encouraging to hear just because I really asked the question because I don't have the answer. I just, I obviously, I don't have the answer. If I had the answer, I would probably be on Brian Stevens' coaching staff. Yeah, um, and I think it's just like I don't want to, I don't want to search for an answer to a question that doesn't necessarily, sure. you know, need a ton of ton of digging because at this point, it's also at at the point where, you know, thirty two a game from Tatum isn't a joke, and right. if Gordon Hayward has to take less shots, if if Kemba Walker has to take less shots, then so be it. If if Tatum's going to go out there and play like this, he needs the ball in his hands a significant amount of time. And also, as as the defense starts to adjust towards Tatum, and, and like you and I talked about where that double starts to come, and it's up to Tatum to find the open guy, Gordon Hayward's a great catch-and-shoot three, three-point shooter. So when that double gets thrown at Tatum, you know, whether whether it's the, the initial pass to Hayward or, or it's the swing and there's overhelp, he's going to get open shots because of this. It's just a matter of getting everyone back on the floor at the same time. Yeah, and he's still pretty good off the dribble too. If he gets a exactly. guy that jumps in his he's face, great. he can he's, break, he's break the lane down. Player. So yeah, the Celtics motion offense, if you will, where they're sort of getting Tatum into his rhythm and then moving things back and forth, uh, or they move from side to side when they have to get the, move the ball around. Basically, um, they have guys that are good at attacking from the top of the key if they have to. So that's that's a, a good thing. But I think more to Sam's point. Um, Marcus Smart seems to be the one that's taking shots away from Gordon Hayward, etc. Not Jason Tatum. Obviously, you want Tatum to get those shots, but yeah, yeah, if yeah. you if you had to line them up and say who's getting the shot, to me it's Tatum, Walker, Hayward. I'd probably go Jalen. I mean, it depends on what kind of t- yeah. what kind of a shot you're talking about. Jalen Brown, if you're if you're trying to get a layup or get to the free throw line, if you're looking for just a spot up three, I I might lean on Marcus Smart a little bit just because he's having such a good year. But overall, it's Jalen Brown, right? So, but the point yeah. is that Smart is way down that list. If he's taking 
15, 16 shots a game, seven, seven of them are threes. Like that's to me, that's overkill. You, they got to go somewhere else. I don't, I don't disagree. Uh, I think that there's a lot to be said for Marcus for smarts willingness to take those shots because he does make a lot of tough shots. And, and this goes back to his, his rookie year in his second year and his third year when he, when he really, really struggled to shoot threes. The fact that he's so willing to, to shoot the ball and the fact that now you look at the 35% three-point shooter who, like I said, makes tough shots, you have to guard him. You have to respect him. And on a team that's so built on, you know, not necessarily finesse, but spreading the floor out and letting guys like Tatum and Walker go to work, that that's still really important. Uh, do I think that, you know, Marcus Smart needs to be shooting seven threes a game? Probably not. But his willingness to shoot in, in – to me it's just the Celtics are playing well enough at this point where I'm not looking to nitpick. And I, I'm not saying that, you know, anyone – I think these are, you know, normal things to look at with the Celtics. But I also think that if it was like a real issue, there, there would be a, a thing from Brad that's like, hey, stop shooting. And I think we would have seen that a couple years ago if that was what they wanted from Marcus Mars for him to stop shooting. But it's been very clear to me for the last three or four years that his shooting I mean, it's definitely by design, but I think that their entire offense is everyone shoots by design. They want Daniel Tice shooting. They, they had, yeah. I mean, they, they had Aaron Baines shooting threes last year. That That's something that, you never would have seen on any other team. I don't think, I don't think any other team in the league would have inserted Aaron Baines to the top of the key and then the corner and say, you stand there and we're going to get you a three. Like that's, that's the, yeah. And I mean, he wants guys shooting with all of this. We're, we're arguing or we're breaking down five guys that I'm very comfortable with the ball in their hands, even in the playoff situations. Yeah. So looking at the Celtic, like I feel in a very good place that we're having this argument where it's like, Jason Tatum, the the budding star, Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward, established all-stars, Jalen Brown, who, you know, could have been on the all-star team this year, but we know what we have in Jalen. We've seen him perform in the playoffs. And then Marcus Smart, who we know what we have in him too. So the fact that we're breaking this down, at the end of the day, we know the ball is going to be in Tatum and, and Kemba's hands in the biggest spots. But I'm very comfortable with anybody from that five doing what they need to and making the right decision. All right. You heard it here first. Taylor McLeod, comfortable with the entire Celtics starting five. Boom. I like um, this team. I really do. Me too. And it's more because I think they're fun to watch instead of thinking they actually have a shot at a championship or something like that. But I do believe that they have a, a, a punch chance to go to the NBA Finals. I wouldn't expect them to win, but I would expect them to throw a couple haymakers at Milwaukee, unlike they did last year. You know, or Toronto for that matter, whoever they need to, to get past in the in the playoffs. I, I would I would expect them to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, and at that point, I mean, going to the NBA Finals is just a couple bounces away, perhaps. So, um, I, I do want to get back to the game tonight, and it's sort of a something that we touched on a little bit, but it's also kind of a bigger picture thing, so we can roll that in as well. But essentially, I want to talk about the big man rotation. Because I know Enos Cantor was hurt for a little while. He's probably still slowly coming back from that injury, although he looked healthy tonight. Robert Williams back tonight. He was available to play last night. He did not. Um, but 
obviously Daniel Tice has been the starter for the entire year for the most part, and he is really rounding into a really solid defensive player and a guy that can knock down shots and another guy that is confident in his offense. So I guess the question here is, was tonight Brad sort of just trying to figure things out against a bad Cleveland team who has some pretty big players in their own right uh, in Kevin Love, in Larry Nance Jr. They rolled Zizic out there for a little while. Uh, Or is this what we're going to see going forward uh, with sort of playing matchups every night? And then then once the playoffs roll around, you pick pick your rotation against a certain team and you go with it. I'm not really sure which way I want him to go because I really like what Tice has done this entire season. I think that he uh, complements the the starting lineup much better than than a a guy like Cantor does. Uh, But Cantor is a a beast on the boards, especially offensively. And then Robert Williams, we've seen the raw talent that he has and what he can bring to the game when he's healthy. So uh, honestly, here's another – it's basically another question I'm throwing at you that I'm not going to be able to answer myself. I'm just curious what you have to say about it. I think that this is an important piece to the Celtics' success. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, Tice is the guy. Tice, like you said, plays has has you know really molded himself into a good defensive player. He's a good offensive player, and I think he's got an interesting chemistry with Jason Tatum that really works for this team. Their their pick and roll is a lot of you know. Tice sets that soft pick, slides it, and then he's wide open for a three. And Tatum seems to hit that more often than not. And Tice knocks it down. So I think, I think Tice is their guy. Obviously, he's undersized, so you need to lean on Cantor and you need to lean on Rob Williams. In terms of tonight, I think tonight was just a good opportunity to give Cantor some rest and get Rob Williams some run because, you know, Tice has been playing, you know, shouldering a lot of the load with Robert Williams out and Cantor, you know, going down a couple times. But I think... I think tonight, that was the case tonight. It was just a good night to, to not play Tice's complete minutes and get Rob Williams some time on the floor. Moving forward into the playoffs, I think, like I said, I think Daniel Tice is the guy, but I also am very high on Robert Williams and have been for, you know, it feels like a year and a half at this point. His athleticism, and you see he gets more and more comfortable with every game he plays, and it's really disappointing that he did miss three months, especially – when a guy like Tatum really, you know, takes off because it would have been nice to have Robert Williams molding his game around Tatum's as opposed to, you know, coming back from a huge break. So going forward, I think it's important that all three of those players play well. And even Cantor, Cantor's game is kind of prehistoric almost the way he gets rebounds and plays a very traditional big role, but the Celtics make it work. And I think that's, it feels like a cop-out coming back to that over and over and over again. But I think, and it's natural to look at last year when there was uh, just a complete lack of balance in terms of talent, in terms of attitude, in terms of shot. You come to a season like this, and it's like, I think Tice is the guy, but I think the other two are very important. I think think they'll work it out and figure it out as they they move forward because that's what they have to do. And, And nothing to this point shows me that they're not going to be able to figure it out. Not saying that, you know, this three-man rotation will be the the most revolutionary thing in the world. But we've seen it work, and we've also seen it where a guy like Robert Williams doesn't play at all because Tice is the man that night. And I think Tice is is the number one person at that position at this point. So I would expect him to get the lion's share of minutes, but 
I don't think Brad is going to let ego determine, you know, what what needs to happen. I think it's a need basis. Yeah, and, and there is no ego with those guys. I, I mean, Tice, Cancer, Williams, I don't think there's ego with any of them. No. Not anyway. I mean, you, you may have some ego when it talks when you're coming to uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, but um, even Kemba Walker, I don't really think has a, has a huge ego. I think he's fit in really nah, he well. He just wants to win. Yeah, he just he, wants he's to win. Been you in know, the team for so long, yeah. And yeah, and ultimately Tatum, Smart, and uh, and Brown, their ego to me is more fueled by their youth than anything else. I, I yeah, feel like yeah, guys exactly. like that, when you're, when you're that talented, Tatum and Brown, especially Tatum, when you're that talented, I mean, you you lose your ego as far as uh, needing to project it as you get older, I think. Like Kobe Bryant was one of the most egotistical guys in in the league for the first, what, five or six years of his career. But as he start, started to get older and sort of learn the, the game – he, obviously, his ego was still there. He still has a huge ego, but I don't think it just he shows was, differently. He, right, exactly. It showed differently. He didn't need to project it as loudly, and I think that 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 goes away with with age. So overall, I think that these guys have the right mindset. I don't think that they're letting their ego take over their their mental state and harm the team. I think that Brad Stevens has it easy in that way, unlike last year with he who sh- shall not be named. I mean, that was a, that was a real bear to deal with as far as an ego is concerned. And so Stevens has it easy with, with egos this year. I think these guys all sort of know, know what's going on and know what it takes to, to actually be a successful fun team to watch. 100%. And if you look at how the team's built and it's very clear to me that the entire team understands this Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are the guys you have two all-stars and Gordon Hayward and Kemba Walker You've got a 22-year-old who just signed a $100 million extension and a 21-year-old who is going to sign a who-knows-what-extension this summer. Hopefully, you know, knock on wood. Like, you, those two are the guys, and like you said, whether it's ego, whether it's an understanding that those two need to be it, everyone on this team seems pretty willing to understand that they are going to get the farthest with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum leading the way. And so I think that's that's the biggest that's the biggest deal, and we have a lot of these questions where we can't come to an answer about it. And I think that's part of the reason is that you have a coach and a team that all get it. And even though it might not end in a in a finals appearance, because the Milwaukee Bucks are are formidable, and they get lost in the shuffle sometimes. Obviously, they're kind of coming back into conversation because of Giannis and James Harden. But the Milwaukee Bucks are extremely good, and it's going to take a lot to beat them. But we're like the Celtics are a team where they're they're learning their identity and, and figuring out who they're going to be for the future while also winning a lot of basketball games the right way. We we've had this you know situation where you're built to win now, obviously, but you're also kind of developing for the future and you you don't really know what you are. This team right now has guys like Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward who, who are all-stars who, who want to win now, but they're also very good vets. And they've had a lot of, like a lot of adversity. Kemba with losing Gordon Hayward with injury. 
And at this point, it seems to me like those guys are willing to be willing to help, willing to let Jalen and Jason do what they need to to lead this team where it needs to go. There's there's no issue, there's no problem with that because that's how it's supposed to be. And it seems like everyone's really buying into that, and that's why we don't have a lot of answers to these problems because I don't know if they're they're big problems to begin with. Yeah, and I just I bring things up like this because I'm trying to be constructively critical of the team. Exactly. No, I, don't want, I don't want to come on to the post game show even with my green goggles on, even though I'm wearing them pretty much every other minute of, of every day. I, I try to be a little bit objective, you know. So I'm glad that I'm uh, that we're talking about these things. But I think you're right. I mean, ultimately. The questions that I'm asking are they're they're not big problems in the big picture. No, and it seems like it seems like the Celtics are on the right track, playing basketball the right way. Like all season, the biggest issue has been, you know, are they going to get a five? We're seeing that they they can patch things together and either hang in big games with very good teams or win big games with very good teams, doing it the way they they are. And comparing it to last year. Anything compared to last year, any any type of success was going to be a plus, especially because expectations coming into the season weren't crazy for the Celtics. And I think that Celtics fans have done a very good job of not moving the goalposts based on performance. You know, they, they were expected to be the middle of the Eastern Conference. They're playing better than that. But I think everyone has done a good job of appreciating the the steps that they're taking. And, and there's a definitely a strong confidence in this Celtics team among Celtics fans that they can go to the NBA Finals. And I'm, I'm one of those people who believes that. Not saying they will, but I believe they can. Anything compared to last year would have been a plus, but the way they're playing, playing the right brand of basketball, and we're really seeing a lot of guys flourish into what they're supposed to be, I think, I think that is, that's the most important thing and why I'm just not that concerned about a lot of things with this team. Yeah, they've they've gotten back to trying to establish a winning culture, right? At least, and it, maybe yeah. they won't win the whole thing. Maybe they won't even go to the Eastern Conference uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe they'll fall short of that. Uh, but as, again, as long as they don't lose fall fall flat on their face in the first round, I think I'm going to be content with with the, whatever the result is. Um, and it's because of the brand of basketball that you just mentioned. It's because of the way that they're playing basketball. They're back to being a team that is, has some grit and some grind, but also they've got a f- real finesse player in Jason Tatum, and he's a superstar in the making, uh, and we're seeing him sort of grow up before our eyes over the course of a season. You said this early on in the show. He he's, is taking a big leap from just a month or two ago, and I think for the past, I don't know, two or three weeks at least, I've been hearing Brian Scalabrini on the television broadcast say that he has never I think he's put this on Twitter too he's never seen a player make a a leap in season like like Jason Tatum is making right now he he's arguing that Jason Tatum is the most improved player uh, but not from last season to this season really just from last year 2019 to 2020 in the past two months and it's like it's it's not something that you see every single year. And I know you mentioned that earlier as well. This is quite a a significant leap that he is taking in season. And I think it's facilitated by the fact that the, the team around him is, is allowing him to do that. I mean, can you imagine if he was in 
a handful of other cities, if he was in Houston, do you think that he'd be able to, to be playing this way if he was on the same team as James Harden and Russell Westbrook? Absolutely no chance in hell. This team no. is facilitating Jason Tatum's uh, success, and I think that they all deserve credit for him turning into what he has over the past couple of months. Yeah, for sure, and and it's gonna it it, it went the same way with Jalen Brown the first half of the season when you know the talk was that Jalen Brown might be better than Jason. Obviously, to me, I I feel like I always you know maintain that that was a a big result of. Jalen benefiting from a lot of attention other places, but it's just so clear to me that the entire team is willing to let those two go for it. And everyone looks at it like uh, you, when you hear interviews, the players look at Marcus Smart as, you know, the captain figure as the heart and soul. And it's just clear to me that everyone wants to win and is willing to let whoever need to do what like they need to do to, to accomplish that. Gordon Hayward's gonna gonna carve out his 15 points, finding, you know, his shots within the offense. Kemba Walker's gonna do his thing, you know, where he's dancing with guys and he's facilitating. But then he can also go stand off ball, stand in the corner, and you know, be a beneficiary when Tatum gets the things fit on this team, and that's why I have a lot of confidence because it doesn't seem like anything's really out of place. Last year. Last year, it felt, it felt like a lot was out of place. And this year, whether or not you believe, and I'm not you know, talking to you, obviously, because we've established that we both believe they can make it to the finals. Even if there's people who out there out there who think they're a pretender, think whatever, the brand of basketball is undeniable. And that's what I'm most confident in. I think that um, the organization as a whole recognized exactly what we're talking about uh, and the fact that last year fans were not happy with the brand of basketball and just the way that the team played with him or not on the floor I think that there was just an aura around the team that people just didn't like and there's people that people didn't know their place there was no right. there, like fair enough and that's that's what it was it was just like I'm still a Kyrie fan. I've been very open, very public that like, you know, I'm I'm a 21-year-old basketball fan. Like I'm going to love Kyrie Irving. It, it's going to like that's just how it is. But like I think there was the biggest issue last year was you have guys like Kyrie and Al Horford who it's championship or bust and they play a very like traditional Eastern Conference playoff offense where it's the pick and roll and you have to have these guys to win this way. And, and, and Terry Rozier is confused about what he's supposed to be doing. Jalen's confused. Tatum is, you know, looked at as this number two, but can't really flourish as the number two because certain guys need those shots. There's just so much confusion on the floor last year, and, and it really seems like that's been taken away. The, there's so much to be made of the locker room and all the comments or whatever. It's always seemed like they were kind of just coworkers last year, and the problem was on the court. They couldn't figure out how things were supposed to work. And you take away – it looks like such big, you know, subtractions in Al Horford and Kyrie Irving, but it's it's the space that we've really young players to grow. And it was never going to be Terry Rozier. It was always going to be Jalen and Jason. So you have, you know, the three guys who had the ball in their hand arguably more than anyone else last season. You take those presences away, and then you let two number three picks – coming off Team USA appearances 
do their thing. And that's exactly what we're seeing. Yeah, and couple that with two all-stars in Walker and Hayward who are 100%. Hum- humble players. Helpful and willing to right. – exactly. 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 They're not They're not egotistical all-stars. They're not these guys that are me first, which honestly most, most players don't seem to be like that nowadays, but there certainly are some out there. Um, and, I mean, I just I, – I don't know where that comes from, from basketball players, but – I, I don't want to put the, I, and I don't want to put the blame on guys like Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, but I, I feel like that's kind of where it lies, and it, it just is what it is. And the ego in the NBA seems to be a little higher than most other sports um, at times. So it's even more refreshing to see guys like Gordon Hayward and Kemba Walker who have that All Star status, or, or at least they, for Hayward in Hayward's case, he's had it in the past, um, still be able to recognize what they have on their team in these two young budding superstars in, in Tatum and Brown uh, and yeah. defer to those guys more often than not at times. It's been nice to see how they've let Tatum grow the past month because I, even, even sometimes when he maybe ISOs into a shot that he, he shouldn't or he dribbles for 13 of the 24 seconds and takes a shot that maybe he shouldn't, it doesn't feel like that's a problem anymore. It feels like the only way Tatum is going to reach his full potential is letting him do that stuff. And it seems like they, they've built it into the system that Tatum can do exactly what he needs to take as many shots as he needs to, to get the 32 points a night that he's done for the past five games. Because I think that's, that's always what it was. We, we knew Tatum was a good scorer and the volume and scoring was going to come with, you know, volume and shots. It just seems like they're all cool with it, and, and that's really cool to watch as a fan. Yeah, that's the big part. All right, well, the Celtics are, are coming home. They're, uh, they've got Utah on Friday, and that is going to be a tough one. Utah um, is a team that uh, they've had their lulls in the season. The Celtics did take care of them last week on that road trip, but I think they've been playing a little bit better uh, in the last few games, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, and then uh, Oklahoma City comes to town on Sunday. So the the Celtics' schedule is not getting any easier, which is all the more reason that they needed to get this win in Cleveland tonight, uh, 112 to 106, and all the more reason that it, it it's disappointing that they couldn't find a way to beat the Brooklyn Nets at home last night. Uh, we don't need to go backwards and talk about that one. They did a whole post-game show on it. So if you want to hear any complaints, go back and find that. But Taylor – this next stretch of games for the Celtics is going to be pretty important. And I also think indicative of whether they uh, can hold things together uh, and beat Toronto out to get that two seed because Utah, OKC, Indiana, Milwaukee, that's the next four. Those are all teams they could potentially lose to. So they've got to find a way to win some, some of these games if they're going to uh, be able to stay in the hunt for that two seed. Um, which I think is relatively important. I don't want to see the Celtics go to Toronto uh, in the semi Eastern Conference semifinals as the three and not have home court advantage. I think that's that's a, a serious advantage up there. And the Celtics have, while they've shown that they maybe can get that monkey off their back, I, I also think that they've struggled up there under Brad Stevens. So that's one matchup that I hope that they can find a way to grab that two seed. And like I said, the next four games are huge. And then they've got Toronto uh, three Fridays from now. So that'll be a big game as well. 
Yeah, and disappointing that Jalen Brown, uh, he's going to miss, a, I think, a, a week. It said he'd be re- reevaluated in a week, which sets him up to play next Thursday against Milwaukee, which is obviously the game I'd, I'd most want him for. But, yeah, I mean, you're looking at three playoff teams, two Western Conference playoff teams in the Jazz and Thunder. The Thunder, I really like watching the Thunder play. CP3 is having a great year, and Shea Gildas-Alexander is, is going to be special. Um, and then the Pacers, I think the Pacers are – you know they've had they've you know been in flux all year with Oladipo coming back and a couple injuries, but that's another Eastern Conference team that's been in the playoffs for a couple of years now, and you have to really lock in and and play your best against teams like that. So no Jalen Brown, but I expect the Celtics to really look to look to Tatum more, get Kemba back involved. Obviously he played a little bit last night, didn't play tonight. I'm hoping that's just kind of a we're in Cleveland on the second night of a back to back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm excited to see what we what we open the show talking about. I'm excited to see how when that double team comes to Tatum because it will. It's going to start coming every single game to see how he makes defenses pay by finding Kemba, by finding Gordon Hayward, by finding Jalen when he comes back because those guys are all good catch and shoot three point shooters. And if you're going to throw two at Tatum, you got to be ready to deal with other stuff, and you're dealing with two all-stars and a guy who could have been an all-star this year. So I'm really excited, but like you said, they have to, they have to play well and, you know, really maintain their status atop the Eastern conference. Yeah. I mean, how important do you think that is against Toronto? Assuming that it would be a, a Eastern conference semifinal. Oh, I think it's very important. You're looking at, you're looking at one of the best coaches in the NBA in the defending champs, regardless of how they're, they're playing at the moment, regardless of, you know, whether it seems like there's a lull, that's still the truth. They still have Kyle Lowry, very experienced point guard. Pascal Siakam can do everything on the floor. It's still very important to lock up home court against anybody, but especially against a team like that. And like you said, they've struggled to win games in Toronto. Fair enough. All right. I'm with you on that one. So Celtics are a game back from Toronto right now. And like I said, the next week is going to be real important for them. And then they do get the Raptors uh, towards the end of March. Um, so, We'll see what happens. Uh, there's a lot of basketball left to be played and a lot of post-game shows as well. So be sure to tune in on Friday after the Celtics take on the Utah Jazz at home. We will have your coverage here on CLN Media. And um, I'm not sure who's doing the post-game that night, but I'm sure it'll be a good show, as it usually is, as it was tonight. Thank you, Taylor, for joining me. Uh, my name is Thank Matt you. Murray, everybody. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to the callers. Thanks to betonline.ag, of course. And um, we will check you out on Friday. Go Celtics. Hopefully they pull this thing out over the next couple couple days. Nice talking to you, Taylor. Yes, sir. Have a good one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, have a good night.